0: Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behavior, sleep and more. Have you ever seen a child do something wrong, then rebuke them about it, only to have them lie straight to your face saying they didn't do it? Have you asked them if they were the one that hit their sister first? and you strongly suspect they are lying by the look they give you. When Children Lie, What Do You Do? Maggie Dent is a parenting educator, author, and host of the Parental As Anything podcast. She's also known as the Queen of Common Sense, which is why I feel it's very appropriate that she joins us for this topic. Hi, Maggie. How are you?
1: I'm really good, Siobhan. And I am. I'm not lying. <laughs> I just want to get that out there.
0: Good, because I wouldn't have been able to tell. You've got a very... Actually, that's not true. You don't no. have an innocent no. face. No, You've got a very mischievous face. Mm-hmm. 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 Naughty even.
1: I think I could have lied a lot when I was a kid. (laughs) I reckon you
0: would have. So are there ways of knowing whether your child is lying?
1: Okay, so let's go back one step. Mm -hmm. I want to really let you all know that it's developmentally very normal. Okay. Tick. Second really good piece of news is that it's a sign that your child's quite intelligent or emotionally intelligent to be able to manipulate the reality. So <laughs> I bet everyone's just breathing a great sigh of relief. And then there's also this stage that our children are developing their sense of self where their real world and their imaginary world can get a little bit hazy. Do you know? Like, Bluey, is it real? You know, that yeah, sort of stuff. Yeah. And uh, I had that experience not long ago with one of my my granddaughters, four, and we're in the car off to the playground, and she said... Her um, other little cousins in the car, and um, he was wearing his Batman outfit. And she says, "Well, anyway, Alfie, I've seen the real Batman flying in the sky." <laughs> and Alfie's looked, and 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 I've and I've gone, "Did you really, Miller, She said, "Yes, up in the sky near the clouds, I could see his cape flying, Nanny. He was flying. He's real." Now that was exactly, and I'm looking at Steve, my husband, who's not quite as well informed as I am, but do not say a word. And that is a classic example when their imaginary world feels real to them. And, and seriously, that is one of the ways that we help children be children. Yeah. That is also the way I used to use therapy. I'd use imagination to transform wounds into something positive and kids could just sing into the new spaces. So they can all be happening. Mm. Now let's get back to your original question, mm-hmm. which was? How do we know if they're lying? Right. I don't think that's the problem. Okay. I don't think it's how do I know? Because I can tell you very quickly. There's a distinct gender separation here. Yeah. Girls can lie way earlier, way more convincingly, um, <laughs> and forever and ever. Oh. Yeah. So it's a real. But guess what? Yeah. That's because in those, particularly in the early years, their left brain has has actually got more switched on than boys. So they're much better at understanding emotions and uh, verbally able to express themselves. So um, they can split and divide parents really cleverly by three. So no boy's capable of that. So keep that one in mind as well. (laughs) So what we're talking about is where is the truth? Yep. So our children are watching us all the time, and I know I've chatted to you on other things, talking about they model on our behavior. So how often are we fibbing? Now, remember this, and this is that challenge of where is the truth that's something that needs to be helpful and where's the truth that is actually, you know, just being damn nasty. And that's where lying needs to come to. Obviously, those of you who are in families of faith, there's no place for lying and the truth is absolutely it. But I am going to say at different times, our big um, presence as parents can make children frightened into lying rather than sharing the truth. And it can be, they can be totally loved and adored, but your mannerism is really scaring me. So why would I own up to I ate that biscuit, even though the crumbs are all over my face, you know, like, yes. So we can actually frighten them into telling lies. And that's a, and that often happens, I find, um, for there's it goes right through. So if you want to get the truth out of your kids, it's a gentle approach. You know, you might, you know, it's bath time. We might be chatting, saying, look, you know what? Somebody did eat the last biscuit today. And it's not a big deal, but I just kind of want to know. I just like them to be able to say it, it was me. When it's in that space, your kids will come forward with the truth a bit better. Okay, so let's go into what I call um, white lies and black lies. So how many of us have said something lovely to a friend because we don't want to hurt their feelings? You know, and how many of our good men out there when we say, does, this, does my bum look better than this? Yeah, he might have just stretched a bit. Because at the end of the day, when we're protecting people's feelings... When we're wanting to enable the relationship to stay as loving as possible, we will tell fibs, which is why there are still grown-ups out there who think that the uh, Mr. Whippy music shows that there's no ice cream left (laughs) (laughs) and that the pool's closed at two o'clock the afternoon. Mm -hmm. Got it? So what we're doing is if we own that to them and, you know, hello... We're avoiding conflict. So when a white lie prevents pain and prevents conflict, <laughs> especially in our homes, tick. So that's part of human relationships. When a lie is deliberately designed to hurt others and it is made up or it's cruel, then that is when we need to step in with our serious parental Power and say, this is not acceptable. And I think we have to have the chat about giving them those examples.
0: Mm. But when you say it's developmentally appropriate, is there a peak age for lying? Oh, actually around
1: four. Right. Yeah, okay. which is also where they're merging that sense of self coming into the swagger of four-year-olds. And yeah, they've got that sense of their own importance in that window. And it's it's just beautiful. I mean, I love watching it because I know what's going on developmentally. But obviously, if you're the mother and it's your child just lying blatantly in front of everyone at playgroup, <laughs> you can kind of like feel like I'm a failed parent here. So. I'm glad we're having this conversation. Can you see again that the capacity for our children to be able to create that is is actually really important in terms of them becoming a communicator later on. Um and obviously if there's a certain leader of the American nation who would possibly learn <laughs> what the truth looks like, you know, yeah. because you can see there's a it's it's a, how do we distort the truth for my own advantage? Yeah. Which is technically black lies. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I think um, in our home environments, being able to get really upset because you know it's not the truth, that's another one of those moments that we really need to breathe deeply and go, okay, no, this isn't this. I've noticed it, and I need to bring it up, but this isn't the moment. Yeah. Because when we bring it up in a way that's um, confrontational, what we often trigger is shame, and we trigger the sense that I've done something really bad, so therefore I'm bad so we don't want that. So it's the quiet conversation in the car, in the bath, or in the in the bedroom as they're off to sleep at night that says it's okay to tell the truth. So one of my sons, I had one that was just amazingly truthful and honest, seriously. And he said <laughs> to me, he worked out in class. So if the teacher left the room, there was a lot of ruckus going on. She'd come back in and say, "Okay, now who was that? Who was making all that?" He'd stand right up. Only one who'd stand up, and um, because he was leading it technically. Yeah no one else stood up with him. And he said, Look, Mum, what I've worked on is when you stand up and own it, you know, quite often you get rewarded for being honest. So quite often he got <laughs> let out early because he was honest. Yeah. Um and he is it's just a trait that was in him as a personality that um, that would be great if we all, but sometimes his honesty can actually be a little bit. Oof, yeah, I don't know about that. It's yeah, kind of like, oh, he comes <laughs> up with some things every now and then that put me right back in my box, and that was before he turned eight. So, can you see once again? Yeah, truth is actually what we need to talk about, and also um, degrees of truth. And do I need? Do I need to manipulate it in order to get my needs met, or can I just ask my parents mm. to possibly identify I have a missed need here and you could meet it? So again, human inter- relationships and communication are fabulous things, aren't they?
0: I tell you what, we had a situation with my son which was so interesting. Thank goodness I have this job because I, <laughs> I look, I still didn't really know what to do, but you were in the back of my mind. Mm. He, we went to a friend's house who had a big toy room. And this friend of ours has two boys, so they had lots of boys' toys. And my son is obsessed with going to other people's homes with toys. Anyway, uh, we get home to discover that he's nicked a zombie Nerf gun. And I have to admit, the first thing I wanted to do was laugh because my son looks like an angel. He looks like butter would not melt in his he mouth. Does. He is so gorgeous that i 'm and and looks he's generally very sweet and um i my daughter was just beside herself, saying, "You have to take it back and i was I was really caught because um on one hand, I wanted to laugh and think, "Oh my God, you're so clever," because he actually took a plastic bag and hid it in the plastic bag and walked away and Of course, I know stealing's wrong. But I was caught in this strange place because I didn't want to shame him for what he'd done, even though I'm pretty sure he knew he did the wrong thing. Uh, and my daughter was there wanting to see him <laughs> severely punished. But he was, when I talked to him about it, he was like, oh, please don't tell so and so, please don't tell Nanny and Pop I did this. Please don't tell the man who he stole it from. And, and of course, the dad didn't care. He's like, please keep it. We've got too many toys. And I'm like, but that's not the lesson we want to (laughs) teach (laughs) him. But it was a very difficult position to be in as a parent because I I knew he'd done the wrong thing, but I also – and we talked to him about that. But I didn't want to shame him. No, and that's exactly
1: what we want. So what's happening – Our emotional intelligence is something that is developing as we gradually build that prefrontal cortex. And it it takes till the mid-20s. So the ability to manage our impulses is developing. So I could tell you, I've probably worked with 15 parents with a very similar story to this, because in that moment, the impulse was too great. There was no, I'm stealing this to have for me. It's, I want to play with this. And I'm going to take it with me. Nowhere in his mind is he able to realise that this is actually, you know, like criminal offence stealing. It's the impulse I'm unable to contain. And then your job, exactly what you just said, is um, how can I handle this with him learning a teachable moment and lesson from it? And you've done beautifully. So one of my boys probably year six, where you'd think there's a bit of prefrontal happening. <laughs> <laughs> I found a, um, a book in his bag, and there was a book fair at school, and I obviously tweaked. It didn't have a library bit in. I'm pretty sharp. And I said, so how did this get in your bag? And he said, um, well, I put it there. And I said, we didn't buy it, so that's stealing. The stealing's not okay in our family. And he said, but all the boys did it, mummy. And this was another lesson, isn't it, that just because the impulses of a collection doesn't make it any easier, That's one-on-one, your hand, put it in the bag. So he said... Um, And I said, so what do you think we should do about this? And he said, I'll just go and poke it back on the table. And I said, no, you won't, because the choice you made is one that I want you to remember. So you are going to go to the principal tomorrow and return the book and say you stole it. And whatever consequence he gives you, you need to be able to wear it because that was your poor choice. I was the worst mother on the planet. Now, I didn't shout, didn't yell, didn't ground him, didn't anything him, because I felt this is where the lesson is coming from, is I need to go and own my poor choice now I was the only one of eight who did that and years later I have found my son has this thing called a conscience <laughs> yep. and that isn't that what we want one of his friends was at uni uh, they were walking around the car park and he said have you bought your, you know, your parking pass which costs money he said no I should have enough money next week he said here I'll grab you one window was open pinched it gave it to him my son rang me in the next morning you know, this is 19 years of age and said I didn't sleep all night mum And I said, so what are you going to do, babe? And he said, well, I I got the Rego. I'm going to find the car and put it back today. And that's when I went, yes! That moment that we thought was a moment that showed I've got a terrible son and I'm a terrible parent and we're terrible was the teachable moment when done with love and compassion that transforms something inside our children that they can struggle with impulses because they're children and that we need to let them make it right. And the making it right... That is exactly what you're saying there. So, keep it. No, no, no. I need him to make this right because stealing (laughs) Mm. isn't one of the values in our home. Well done.
0: Mm, Well, it's good to know.
1: (laughs) Tick that that one, Shalom.
0: Oh, my goodness. I think I've exhausted all my questions about lying.
1: Is there anything you wanted to add? No, I think it's just we need to be mindful. So, um, you know, when we are in some of our large social gatherings with our family, you know, and we have an annoying aunt or (laughs) <laughs> their nanny laughs too loudly and things like that, that we need to be mindful that sometimes we might mention to them that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's politeness is another part of this aspect. So um, being able to know there's a tendency in our family some to be a bit annoying and that sometimes I actually really try to be kind to them because I think that can be difficult. Mm. So I kind of let my kids know that there's reasons why I don't want to be someone who hurts or offends other people because I'm too honest
0: Yes. I think
1: there can be a two honest place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of have conversations around it. So they're able to navigate that space in between the two. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we we're able to have that, you know, the whole telling lies, which is really what's around most bullying and most cyber bullying. And, you know, if we can call that stuff and get it into their consciousness early, you know, and pause, is this, is this true? Is this kind? Is this necessary? You know, the pausing That would be great. And if they call us up on a lie, um, we need to own it and say, you're right. Yeah, it wasn't a good choice. Because that takes courage. It does take courage. But if we want to raise children with the consciousness that we do, which every parent does, there are times that we have to be the model that says, I'm not a perfect parent. Remember, I'm into good enough imperfect parents. Mm. But when I'm imperfect and I have made a poor choice around what I've said about someone, I need to step in and make that right
0: yeah and also the courage to know the difference between sometimes it's easy to tell the truth and it's mean and sometimes it's hard to tell the truth and that's courage and yes. that's what we want our kids to totally. be totally. brave to stand up for someone when it's not right yeah mm.
1: yeah and I was um, I was demoted from a um, head girl position at a boarding school <laughs> I was at because I held the ground around what was what was honest and truthful and um, the um, school didn't appreciate my honesty and I accepted that. Um, that demotion because I felt I realised who was at fault and it certainly wasn't me. Yeah, mm. it was funny, though. I revisited it one day to do some work in that and they'd forgotten to take my name off the honour board, which I thought was even more <laughs> funny, so I got the laugh, laugh, <laughs> last laugh, but, you know, my kids can see I still was head girl. No, I wasn't. I got demoted. doesn't say demoted next to it. I love that you got demoted, Maggie.
0: I love it. Maggie, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. And
1: that's the truth. <laughs> it
0: is. <laughs> Maggie Dent, parenting educator, author and host of the Parental is Anything podcast. Check out the notes of this episode if you'd like links to all of the things that Maggie does. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me.